0: Within our words, an unseen power is set in motion. The tongue is a small thing, but, like a tiny spark, can set a great forest on fire. Once spoken, our words begin blazing a trail through the hearts and lives of those around us. One kind word can demolish guilt. It can inspire hope. But the same words have also embraced hatred and executed innocence. Once spoken, our words scorch through feelings and emotions on a level that only they can produce. Your words set up a chain
1: of events beyond your control and of which you will never know. One word can destroy beliefs, harden hearts, or cultivate hatred. But they can also demonstrate faith, display forgiveness, and nurture love. The power of life and death lies in a single word, and we, the image of God, have this power in one word.
0: 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. That's a good prayer. Let me lead you in it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Redeemer. Who would like for that prayer to be fulfilled in your life? Lord, we want our prayers to be powerful. Not just acceptable, but powerful for good in the earth. In our homes, in our churches, on the job, at school. God, may our mouths be powerful for you. And Lord, may our mouths speak from hearts that are filled with meditations that are godly. Thank you, Lord, that you are our strength and you enable us to do this. And you are our redeemer. you save us when we don't. Thank God for his goodness. Today, I would like to speak to you on the third attempt to tackle this vast subject on the XYZs of empowering our words Two weeks ago, we spoke on the ABCs of empowering our words. And our prayer was running through the alphabet. Lord, let my words be acceptable. Like the psalm said, let my words be beautifying, comforting, disciplined. Don't let me just say anything that pops in my head. Let my words be edifying, building people up. When people see me coming, may they not run because they're fixing to get it in the neck. Let my words be few. Let them carry power, Lord, just don't let me be known as just somebody just who fills the air with space. Let my words be gentle. May I not speak stronger than I have to? Let my words be honest. Lord give me a passion for truth. Let my words be intelligent. in other words, let me be a hearer. Listen so many times in my life, I raise my kids on my knees begging for their forgiveness because I would execute judgment not having heard the case of course it made them good arguers and good lawyers but still you must hear the case so you can speak with intelligence coming from someone who has been humiliated more than once last Sunday we spoke on the JKLs of empowering our words let my words be just we don't want to just speak right words but we want to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves Let my words be kind. The law of kindness is on the tongue of the Proverbs 31 woman. Let my words be loving, merciful, new. We're to speak with new tongues. Let my words be opposite. That is, let me speak with an opposite spirit from what the world says. Let my words be pure. May the way I speak be different from the filth that we hear out there in the world. Let my words be quickening. Let what I say bring life to the room when I speak. Let my words be ready. May I not just be shy. Well, I don't want to say the wrong thing, so I'm not going to say nothing. No, but let me be ready, like a pen of a ready writing, ready to declare good things about the Lord. So today, the X, Y, Z's of empowering our words. Let my words be silencing to the accuser. Listen to this. Revelation 12, John writes, verse 10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accuse him before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Who would like to see salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ to come? Now think with me here. Verse 10 says that now salvation and strength, the kingdom of God and the power of Christ have come for or because the accuser of our brethren who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, This was written decades, heard by John decades after Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So what is giving the accuser of the brethren access to heaven to where he has to be cast down? I think it's a spiritual thing. I think the voice of the accuser is heard in heaven through the prayer, through the gossiping, through the behavior of the saints, because we are the apple of God's eye. God beholds all that we do. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. We will give an account for every idle word. Jesus said it. So he, Almighty God, is a witness to all of our words. And so when we are mouthpieces for the accuser of the brethren, we are giving the accuser of the brethren access to the place where he was kicked out of. So silencing the accuser isn't saying, devil, shut up. No, it's just telling yourself, you better watch yourself. And filter my words through these two facts. The blood of Christ has been shed. And sure, so-and-so may have done something he should have known better than to do. But everybody has blind spots. And so I'm going to give him some mercy. But I have to go to him and apply the word and point out the speck that's in his eye after I get this log of accusation out of mine. It's really important to confront one another when we do wrong. I need to be confronted. But it's really more effective when we confront to begin with the pronoun I rather than you. I feel that this has happened to me or this has been displayed by your behavior. This is how I'm seeing things. Help me understand. You're disarming the accuser when you do that. And this empowers our prayers. Jesus said, "When you pray, forgive, so that your sins will be forgiven." That's in Matthew eleven, in the context of the verse, speaking the mountains and making them move. He says, "And when you stand praying, forgive." So, what hinders mountain-moving faith? Unforgiveness being a tool for the accuser or the brethren. It cancels out all your prayers. Amen. So, think about it. We want to silence the accuser. Let my words be tasty. With grace, Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Who likes seasoning? In my efforts to lose weight, I've cut way back on salt. In fact, I don't put salt on my food at home. I eat enough out that I know I'm getting that in my diet if I, you know you need some salt. But I love Mrs. Dash. I have about four or five Of her flavors. And it's a combination of spices and a shaker. And you put that on your food. You don't miss salt. Wonderful. Let my words be tasty. seasoned with the salt of grace. What is grace? It's God's undeserved blessing. That he's given me. And he's given others. It's his unconditional love. He loves a person I can't stands. Till I can't stands no more. As much as he loves me. So I must live in light of that. May the meditations of my heart be built and seasoned with the truth of God's grace. That it's not just a me-centered grace, but it's a God-centered grace that he gives to us all. And this will empower the way we speak. Who wants to speak words that are powerful and effective? If we're going to give an account for every idle word, let's make them count. Amen? Let my words be unified. James 3, verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. If I had two pitchers up here, one filled with fresh water and one filled with salt water, and I mix them together in another picture, what would I wind up with in that third picture? When I praise the Lord on Sunday, Hallelujah! And then I'm cussing folks out on Monday, what does that do to my praise? Blankety, blank, blank! We're dropping F-bombs all over the house while we're praising the Lord. Hello. Help us. To not speak with forked tongue, but to speak with one mouth, one mouth that praises the Lord. Amen. Let my words be vital to good health. Proverbs twelve eighteen says the tongue of the wise promotes health. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I want to hit this from two angles. Make sure what I'm saying is balanced. When we speak, we need to speak well of ourselves. We need to speak well of our health. We don't need to say things like, well, flu season's coming. I guess I better get me some extra NyQuil. But also I want to balance it with this truth. Just speaking well isn't the only key to good health. You can speak positive words all day long, but if you eat wrong, What are you doing? You're negating your words. The tongue of the wise promotes health. It's not the only key to good health. It's part of it. So if you're supposed to be on medicine, don't throw it away because I'm going to speak good words. Stomp, stomp, stomp on your glasses and meanwhile you can't see anywhere. Speak well of your health, but understand that there's other principles involved. Don't negate the hard work of your doctor by speaking Negative words about him or about people or about yourself or about your family bloodline. <laughs> I have a generational curse. Well, just keep speaking ill of yourself. It's part of the picture. Well, I don't like vegetables. Well, welcome to poor health. Let my words be wise. Proverbs fifteen two: The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. But the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Just because I know something doesn't mean I need to tell everybody what I know. Truth can hurt. Share it inappropriately. God, help me to be wise. The difference in knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is the accumulation of facts and the ability to remember them or recall them. Wisdom is knowing how to apply them properly. When do you share this? Let my words be excelling at encouraging. I know I already said edifying for E, but I want to hit this again because this is so important. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks to this church that is consumed with a passion for spiritual gifts. And he said, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. May I excel at making this place stronger. Not just because I'm the pastor, but because every person in this room has a potential and a gifting for God that must be fulfilled. It must be. You have a calling on your life. You have a battle station, to man that must be won. So what can I do to encourage people to stand, to not give up, to hold on? The story's not over. same goes for everyone in this room. May we excel at edifying the body of Christ in Granbury. Greg Harrell told me a neat story of two guys who graduated from the Naval Academy. And they made a pact. And in this pact, they said, I'm never going to speak ill of you. I will to not speak ill of you, your character, and your future. And though we may not always see each other, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt no matter what I hear. I'm going to speak well of you to people that ask me about you, and I'm going to think well of you. And these two men, throughout their naval careers, encouraged one another to the point they both became admirals. That's an admirable pact, isn't it? Let my words be silencing to the accuser. Let my words be tasty with grace. Let my words be unified, vital to good health, wise, and excelling at encouraging. And let my words be yielding to God when persecuted. Listen to this verse about Jesus. First Peter 2.21 For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin... Nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. In fact, when speaking of those that were slandering him and persecuting him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And you know what? That is the higher truth. It is true, they were spitting on him. They did a very highly offensive thing when they gave him a sponge on a stick soaked in vinegar because that's the kind of thing they kept in public restrooms. Highly offensive. But they did not know what they were doing. They did not know. So rather than speaking the facts of the lower level of things these people are idiots and they're doing me wrong and they deserve to be burned right now send your angels and slay this place they're worthy of it but he chose the high road father forgive them they don't know what they do he yielded to god when persecuted you know your your crucifixion has been arranged you are being set up for a setup And somewhere during the course of your life, you're going to be in various scenarios that you can't stop. You can't help it. And people are going to speak ill of you. They're going to slander you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to hurt you. If nothing else, the world continues going the way it is. Just being a Christian, it will happen. When those things happen, you can become part of the problem and yield into the accuser and just make things worse. Or you can call yourself to the higher walk. Lord I yield myself to you. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. And finally, let my words be zealous for evangelism. We were given mouths to speak the good news. Romans 10:14: How shall they call on him and whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, don't shirk responsibility and say, well, I'm not a preacher. This was something we're all called to do, to proclaim the good news. The book of Romans was written to believers. How shall they hear unless someone preaches the gospel to them? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Are you zealous to tell people your story? They need to hear your story. If you don't think America needs to hear your story, watch the news. Something's wrong. Darkness is overtaking the land. Don't be like these lifeguards who approach their calling rather lame because they don't want to offend anybody and get in their way.
1: So you just became a lifeguard, huh? Yes, sir. Well... Just because you learned a few life saving techniques and have this uh, precious little whistle around your neck doesn't mean you're ready to save lives. Come on, let me show you some of the ropes. Now, look, there's a big pool out there. These people, they just want to have fun. It's sometimes fun you can lead to somebody getting hurt. But I thought his lifeguards were supposed to help people. We like to hang out, okay? And if they need help, they'll come to us and ask us. And that's when we'll share with them. <laughs> now, you do know from your class how to use one of those life preservers to save lives, right? Yes, sir. The five-finger method. Thumbs up, good news. And then if yeah, they- yeah, no, no. See, we have found that the beanbag analogy is much more fun. The beanbag analogy? Yeah, yeah. You see, your life preserver has a giant hole in the center. And the only thing that's going to fill that hole are beam beds. And that helps save people. No, 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 not at all. But it is ridiculously fun. But I look around and everyone's breaking the Ten pull Commandments. We let them pick and choose which ones hey, they want to follow. Hey, no running. Hey, no running slow. Come on, get out of here, you guys. Come on. You almost blew it. You don't want people thinking that lifeguards are weird. Now, this here is my personal fave. The lifeguard stand. The elevated stand gives you an enhanced 180 degree view of the entire pool. Yeah, or it's the best place to go when you want people to leave you alone. But shouldn't she be looking to help people? In order to help people, you need to find time for yourself. We you like to call it, our daily quiet time. But we're lifeguards, we're supposed to be on duty. The only duty we need to worry about are the ones that we have to clean out of the pool. You might be thinking, this is not how I thought lifeguards act. Well, we got tired of people thinking lifeguards are lame. You hear people saying, lifeguards can't have fun, or, ooh, don't do that in front of Jim, he's a lifeguard. We have a saying around here, we are not to be of the pool, but in the pool. I remember when I first became a lifeguard, like you, I just wanted to save everyone. Like that kid over there, for instance. Look at her. Having so much fun. Help! I don't think she's having fun. Yeah, sure she is. I'm drowning. I think she really needs our help. She can't swim. Look, she's young. She's having fun. She gets older. She'll learn how to swim. Who knows? Maybe even become a lifeguard.
0: Help me fish her out.
1: What, are we supposed to be fishers of men or something? Hey, do I have a
0: boogie? Thank you, got the point. Our alphabet only has 26 letters. And so the first week we covered nine points. Last week we covered nine points. This week we've only covered eight. And something in me just says, there's something missing. So let's go to the Greek alphabet and grab their last letter. This is a concluding point. Let my words be mindful of the Omega Principle. Can we say the Omega Principle? The Omega Principle is based on what the Bible says in Revelation when God describes himself. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Omega is the last letter of the alphabet and it speaks figuratively of finality. It's not just a replacement for the letter O because the Greek alphabet has another letter, Omicron. So I don't understand all the points behind them having another letter that's pronounced as O, but it is a symbol of finality. In verse 11 of Revelation 1, he continues, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Now we are often acquainted with the fact that God is first. In fact, as we proclaim it on our billboard, kind of spin off the I am second campaign. He is first and I am second. But he's also the last. He's the first. He's not second. We are. But he is the last. He will have the final say. And towards the end of the book, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The first And the last. It is easy to think of God as being the first. He is the first cause. He is the creator. Everything else is secondary to him in existence and preeminence. But he's also the last. Meaning he outlasts all that there is or ever will be. And he will have the last word. Can we say the last word? word. To vainly try to have the last word in any conversation is futile. Maybe you're one of these people. You just have to throw in one more zinger. And it just keeps conflicts going and going and going. People competing in their arguments to silence the other, trying to get the last word. Because he who has the last word wins. Really? How many married men in the house know that's not true? You don't win. To vainly try to have the last and final say in any matter is a fruitless one because God Almighty is the last. Living in light of this truth, the Omega Principle, will continually empower our words by our exercising our faith in the Almighty, who is the first and the last, whose word is eternal, whose words will never lie. whose words cannot fail. Our words will fade into existence when God determines to erase them. But His Stand forever. His ways, His words, and His thoughts are high above ours. He who was first is also last. The sooner we recognize that, the easier it is to just hush when you have to. It really is fruitless. Yeah, but I just want to say one more thing. Really? You want to make things worse? Just as sure as I think, I can silence my opponent Lo and behold, he has enough creativity to come up with one more thing. We're looking for that last word. Lord, let's pray. Help us to allow you. And Lord, I say allowing you not because you have to be allowed to have the last word, but help us to recognize this fact. You have the last word in every matter. It's not over till you say it's over. Your report is the one that is to be believed. And so Lord, we as uh, people who need salvation in every area of their lives, God, we yield our mouths to you afresh. Sanctify our hearts and our minds and our tongues, Lord. Set them apart for you, we pray in Jesus' name. In remembering the gospel. God uses our mouths. Romans 10 says, with the heart we believe unto righteousness, but with our mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're a believer, it's because one day you confessed your need for a Savior. You confessed your faith in Him as the Son of God, saying, I believe that you died for me risen from the dead he uses our mouth in the salvation process the process of our receiving what has already been finished he also uses our mouth in the remembering process we testify to one another of the goodness of the Lord we preach the gospel to those that haven't heard and we celebrate communion using our mouths Eating the unleavened bread, symbolic of His broken body. Drinking from the cup, symbolic of His shed blood. Using our mouths. I think there's a message that God has for us. And that is, my mouth is very important. Maybe the way you were raised, you thought you could just talk any old way you wanted to. But in the kingdom of God, His government has no end he sees the mouth as a big problem. Somebody said the tongue is a little red devil that lives behind the pearly white gates. The tongue starts wars, splits churches, breaks up homes, makes children parentless, causes murders and all kinds of other things. So as we taste of the communion elements today, let the sanctifying power of the gospel have an impact on our thoughts and our words. Who would like to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the bread? Harvey, could you pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the bread? Right. Father, we thank you for the, the body of Christ, which is represented in the blood. When the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Do this as often as you shall but do it in remembrance of me. You shed for us, Lord, for all the all the sins of the world, Lord, for each and every individual here, Father. We just give You thanks that You that You loved us enough to do that. You know full well what was going to happen, Lord, we thank You that You forgave us, and when that veil tore, we were able to enter in. Father, we give You thanks today.
1: Your of your blood
0: Amen, Jesus. lord we thank you for the free gift of salvation that we receive by grace what a blessing help us Lord to use the mouths with which we've received a taste of that supper which is to come. Help us, Lord, to use our mouths with which we've received to give the life that You've given to others. Lord, may we speak words of life, words of honor, words of praise, words of truth for Your glory and Your glory alone. Lord, may we give You the final say in every matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God Almighty Himself lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace in all of your relationships and in every conflict. May He have the final say and may peace come. God, we thank You for the power of the blood and the power of the word of our testimony. Thank You, Lord. We get to participate in the redemptive process of the earth. Use us, Lord, as lights for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.